Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Getting Hammered. I am your host, Mary Catherine Ham. I am here with my co-host, Vic Mattis of the Washington Free Beacon. It is caucus week, heading into New Hampshire primary week. Here we are in 2024. We made it, guys. On one hand, we're finally voting. On the other hand, we're finally voting. So we're going to get into some primary thoughts. But before we start that, how are you doing, Vic? Hello, Mary Catherine. I think it's snowing everywhere, isn't it? It's snowing in Iowa. It snowed, it snowed here in the D.C. area, and it's snowing up by you. Yes. So I'm in New York because okay. I was part of NBC's broadcast last night of the Iowa caucus coverage, mm-hmm. and I'm at the Hard Rock Hotel, which <laughs> is right near the studio, which is yeah. great because it was cold. I'm not fit for that Iowa weather, by the way. I could not have sustained there. I'm just going to admit it. I'm not, I'm not, I can't do it. I'll never never be president. Iowa in early summer is lovely. I'll say that from experience. (laughs) Well, actually the the caucus, as I'm sure everybody has heard at this point, the caucus was the coldest on record. The first caucus ever in early seventies was near these temperatures, but not quite these temperatures. No. At any rate, still like a generous number of people, not, not 2016 or 2020 levels, but I, I think it was about 122 to 130k people came out so good on you iowans but i'm here it's in normal York for them i think they're used in to my it, I think. warm hotel and one thing i will say about the hard rock hotel very nice good food i had a i had some food downstairs <laughs> yesterday you and mean thought, it's not from the hard rock cafe menu when no, you went I thought, to the restaurant i thought to myself <laughs> i thought to myself should i you know it's new york you can wander around and get yeah. something insanely good and not expensive nearby but it's very cold outside, and I was like, you know what? I'm short on time. I'm going to go downstairs. I'm going to order something. I was expecting mediocre. Yeah. Quite good. Like it wasn't a big mediocre. greasy burger and fries. One, no, no, no. This was a burrata, and it was delicious. Okay. Wow. But one thing I want to say about the Hard Rock Hotel, trying really hard with the musical references all over. Everywhere. I get it. There's a theme. I love a theme. I'm not against a theme. The toilet paper roll with a sticker on it. Right, when you get, so it's fancied yeah, up, yeah. So, so they, you know it's they, a new You know roll. it's fresh, it's a new right, roll. Right, so you know it's a fresh roll. <laughs> says, general admission. And I'm like, what are you trying to say, guys? What, are you what to say? does that mean? I uh, mean, I get it, like, it's, I guess that's my ticket. My ticket to what? <laughs> ticket to a good time. <laughs> Mary Catherine, were you a hard rock? Well, you grew up in North Carolina, so probably not. But, yeah. you know, we, we went to New York a lot because we're in New Jersey. And yes, kids. It was a big deal. We're going to go to the Hard Rock Cafe. And you had to wait in line. Yeah. Like a roped line outside to get in for the Hard Rock experience. Those were a big deal. And uh, you had def- to get a t-shirt. And you had to get a t-shirt. Well, so I do. I had several Hard Rock Cafe t-shirts. My most my most special one. I don't know if I ever set foot in a Hard Rock Cafe. But my my dad <laughs> like got me some while oh, he was okay. off on business trips or something. Yeah. The most impressive one, mm-hmm. the Reykjavik Hard Rock oh, Cafe. Oh, yes, yes, yes. My dad had a stop over there. I think actually it might have been an emergency landing there. Well, I'll tell you where you can and get he it. This is, up one. this is not to cast any doubt on your father having gone to the Reykjavik Hard Rock Cafe, mm-hmm. but I once had a stop over in Keflavik, which is the airport there, and you could get the t-shirt <gasps> at the airport. You know what? I mean, I'm not look, saying. Again, not saying. it was an emergency landing it, well, yes, in Reykjavik, so I think, it's, I think it's likely that he was just at the airport. Nonetheless. They had a, you know, and in fact, there's a hard, there's a hard rock store at the Keflavik airport, and they, I don't know if they still had, they had a statue, a life-size statue, I think, of Leif Erikson. 
I could oh. be wrong about this with, with a guitar slung over his back. Nice. Nonetheless, that T-shirt made me a little bit cooler in middle school. So. Oh, yeah. No, because everybody would have like hard rock, you know, <laughs> New York. That's the big one. I Let me ask you. So with your family at home right mm-hmm. now, did Steve like does he st- is he big on stocking up before a big snow event so or? living with steve means that we're already stocked up at all times <laughs> so that's not an issue go down to the bomb shelter there's he plenty did, of food down there we yeah. did get the kids out yesterday i did i did not get to go and that that made me a little sad because it was the baby's oh, it was the baby's first snow, baby's first snow the fir- the last baby's first snow day so i did miss that yeah but you and know it didn't what snow last year that's life and so you're doing so, the work of the american people right now Today I will head home and maybe, you know what I'll maybe do is like when everybody's tired and I get home at four or five and they're hungry and cranky, I'm going to be like, yeah. kids, get in your outfits again so we can go outside for mom. Yeah. For but mom. no, everybody's everybody's good. The girls, good. the big girls, this will teach me to plan ahead, Vic. Okay. Yeah. The big girls had spirit week this week and oh. I had everything together. Yeah. Today was 70s day. Now, you know, on <laughs> 70s day everyone else is going to dress like a hippie and uh-huh. call it a day. But yeah. I am into historical accuracy. Oh, so yes. Okay. We're not just dressing like hippies. We, I did some shopping. It was thrift store shopping, obviously. Everybody's got mustard yellow and <laughs> avocado good. green and yes. orange. They look like a 1972 right. kitchen catalog from Sears. Okay. Sure. I got all the things. Then the girls are like, the whole time I'm thinking, I'll do your hair before you leave for school uh-huh. on Tuesday. And then the Girls who are sometimes smarter than I am are like, Mom, how are you going to do our hair? You're leaving on Monday. <laughs> and I said, that is a good point. Here's what we'll do. I'm going to braid your hair, leave it in braids for two days. And when yes. Tuesday comes, you take it out of the braids, you put some hairspray in it. It's going to be giant and 70s. Oh, it's going to be amazing. Goodness. So I did all that work. And guess where they are? Where are they? They're at home. Because oh, there's right. no because school. It's so, so 70s. T- all that. Well, there's 70s around the house. 80s 70s 80s i guess they're i guess they're just gonna have really cool hair while they're out sledding yeah that's that's fine that's (laughs) you know what again don't plan don't plan it's a sucker's game no well you know kate went to the supermarket and she sucked we have more food than we need for like one day like you can get out now it's fine but you know (laughs) although i can't get out because you know it's great to have a teenage son who is stronger than I am, considering my sciatic, and he could shovel his way out. Unfortunately, right. he's shuffling all the neighbors for money. So I, good for him. I we're, used to. We're the last. I'll be the last house. You know, street. when somebody comes to offer that to yeah. me, I will. I'll pay big because oh. I pay not only for the service, but I pay for the gumption because there's uh, so little of that. Yes, taking the initiative these days. If he I handed if, out flyers yeah. yesterday, and then he was up at six, and then he was shoveling by seven. And I like, said, yes, yes, I, you I are saving this country, sir. I, <laughs> one sidewalk at a time, except for mine. Okay. Uh, except for, hey, you know, you got to pay up, Vic. Yes, this I, is the market. <laughs> the market will bear what the market will bear. I will pay into the form of a grilled cheese sandwich. Okay. All right. Shall we get to the news? Let's do it. All right. 2024, the race to the bottom. Here we go. We're in Iowa. The people are voting. You know, look, this was a, we all had the feeling that we kind of knew the top lines of this story. Yeah. The headline, as no it were, surprise. which no was surprise. that Trump was going to win Iowa. Yeah. It's not a great headline for the would be other contenders, but 
there was an argument that you make a strong second showing, uh, you make a, for Ron DeSantis, you make a surprising third or even edge into second for Nikki yeah. Haley, and that yeah. gives you momentum. Very close, very close second between the second and third place. The end result is kind of a perfect storm for Trump, uh-huh. which is over 50% for Trump, which is yeah, a pretty 51. resounding cry from the Iowan people right. that, no, this is this is our guy. Over 50% for him. He beats the closest competition by about 30 points. DeSantis at 20 or so does end up in second, does outperform his polling by about five points due Mm -hmm. to his on-the-ground work, probably with the evangelical community and others who fit with him in various suburbs and exurbs, which was kind Mm -hmm. of his, his strong suit. Nikki Haley third, but expectations for her were fairly low. Yeah. And that sort of blunts Nikki Haley's momentum going into New Hampshire because she didn't, none, you know, the expectations were not yeah. for her to be second, but she didn't get there. Right. Ron DeSantis has already said he's not going to New Hampshire. He's going to go to South Carolina and then sort of ping pong back and forth a bit. But he's this not. This is it. This is the last stand for him. Because... He's not making a big stand in New Hampshire. He's going to yeah. have to go to no, South Carolina. Lost. Yeah. And. There we have it. That's I'll read some of the some of the sort of internals for you guys. Yeah. All right. This is AP. In some ways, Iowa's Republican caucuses were practically over before they began, with Donald Trump cultivating a deep network of support over three presidential runs. That is indeed part of the story, right? You mm-hmm. have a little bit of an operation. You have a lot of loyalty. Yeah. Much about, better than it was last time. Yes. About seven in 10 Iowans who caucused for Trump on Monday night said they have known all along that they would support a man who has remade the Republican Party through his Make America Great Again political movement. Trump was carried to victory by the majority of caucus goers who say they back it, a sign of his growing influence in a state that denied him a victory eight years ago. That was when Cruz won. That's correct. His chief challengers, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, former South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley, and biotech entrepreneur Vivek Ramaswamy, tried to carve out their own coalitions, but none could match the demographic edges enjoyed by Trump in this year's first presidential contest. Yeah. He won with evangelical Christians who are nearly half the caucus goers, although a smaller percentage than they were the last time around. Sure. He excelled among those without a college degree. If there's reason for pause in his Iowa success, it is that many of the must-win states in the November general election are more urban, more suburban, more racially diverse, and have slightly more college graduates as a percentage of their adult population than does Iowa. The sort of like counter story, if you want to hear one, is this is an incumbent president, essentially, who's hitting about 50%, and that that's not a great number. True, but the path from here doesn't look great for the people no. mounting the argument against him. No, I, I mean, all things considered, we're talking about, you know, four indictments and 91 counts yeah. against somebody who, you know, was partially responsible for the events, let's say, of January 6th. 51% is, I think, pretty impressive. And here's the other thing. He didn't spend, unlike Ron DeSantis, he didn't spend, you know, the bulk of his campaign going to every county. And trying to win votes and everyone's talking about, oh, how, you know, really paid off for Ron because he got 21%. That's still 21%. If you add up him and Nikki, it still wouldn't have beaten Trump, you know? And again, as you mentioned, going into New Hampshire now, this is Nikki Haley's big gambit, you know, hopefully, and she'll get some help from, you know, Governor Sununu. And then, and then, and then Ron DeSantis is, as you mentioned, going to hold his ground in South Carolina. He spent something like a combined $34 million in Iowa to get 21%. And yeah, well, well, and he I was doesn't re- have he doesn't I mean, he doesn't have money to burn. So, well, and I was reading yeah. also the Haley campaign with 
Americans for Prosperity combined, which full disclosure I am associated with on their um, Council of Advisors, combined spent a ton of money in Iowa too, right? So yeah. one of the things to get that you team. must conclude, at least in Iowa and New Hampshire, will look slightly different. We don't know mm-hmm. how different, but it is a different kind of electorate. Yeah. In Iowa, you know, he's winning very conservative voters. He's winning evangelical voters. He's yeah. winning voters without a college degree. He's not doing badly with co- voters with a college no. degree. He did about even, I believe, among males and females, which is better than his normal yeah. ratio in that sense. Voters want this guy in yeah. Iowa. There's right? no question. because That's, if And one of the yep. things you talked about, Sununu's endorsement, who is the very popular GOP mm-hmm. governor of New Hampshire, of Nikki Haley. Mm-hmm. A couple of things I ran through on the NBC broadcast last night were the normal political measures that didn't matter in Iowa. No. That we continue, because we've done politics for a long time, we continue to look to these things because you want to have some metrics that would matter that you read a race by. But let let me just run through them. Iowa's extremely popular GOP governor, Kim Reynolds, endorsed Ron DeSantis. Didn't really matter that much. Trump did not debate. Didn't really matter. I think it's disrespectful to voters, but if the voters don't read it that way, doesn't matter. Uh, He didn't engage with voters in Iowa. He came to the uh, Iowa State Fair once. He went to a Hawkeyes game. He did some, it's like in the low dozens of Mm -hmm. events versus hundreds for the other candidates. Uh, That didn't matter. He talked junk about a heartbeat bill, the six-week bill, which you would think with evangelicals wouldn't go over so well. Not an issue. Uh, And even, I would say, his own whining about Vivek and his last minute attacks on other people in the race. If he, and I didn't read it this way because he's not a normal candidate. If Mm -hmm. it's a normal candidate in a normal race, conventionally speaking, Mm -hmm. and they're whining at the last minute about these weird things that are fairly small, you think that's loser talk. That's what's going on there. Yeah. In this case, like I think he just woke up and chose violence against Vivek. Like he was just mad. Yeah. I mean, after four years, we forget after four years, There's not often, or I shouldn't say there isn't always a method to the madness. And I saw this on social media saying, well, Trump wouldn't be saying this unless he was scared, unless he was worried about, you know, this this thing's going to happen. No, he did fine. And he he does these things. Why would he say things that would only hurt himself when he says things about John McCain and prisoners of war and saying, I like the ones who weren't captured? Why would he say that? Because because he just does. As Um, as I've said many, many times during the Trump years. He cannot keep a lid on his id. Like it no. just, no, no, no. He can the do impulse. it for a few minutes. And well, by the way, yeah. we, by the way, we should play just a little bit of his. Oh, uh, absolutely. Of his victory speech. That's right. Well, I want to thank everybody. This has been some period of time, and most importantly, we want to thank the great people of Iowa. Thank you. We love you all. What a turnout! What a crowd! And I really think this is time now for everybody, our country, to come together. We want to come together, uh, whether it's Republican or Democrat or liberal or conservative. It would be so nice if we could come together and straighten out the world and straighten out the problems and straighten out all of the death and destruction that we're witnessing. That's practically never been like this. It's uh, just so important. And I want to make that a very big part of our message. We're going to come together. It's going to happen soon, too. It's going to happen soon. To a great extent, he did keep a lid on his id yeah. during the length of this camp- yeah. this speech. He had a large victory. He could be semi-magnanimous. He was. He was, like, gracious. He thanked Ron and Nikki with, a, like, a tiny bit of shade, but yeah. not too much shade. No, no, no. So let's play a little bit of that. 
I want to thank uh, some of the great people. We have so many senators. If I go through every name, we'll be here all night, and everybody's going to get angry at me. But the senators, the congressmen from Washington, they came down from all different states. I want to thank you very much. I want to congratulate Ron and Nikki for having a, a, good, a good time together. We're all having a good time together. And he also used that time, as he should, to go after Joe Biden, who is, sure. if Trump ends up the general election candidate, Biden is his greatest ally because he is terrible. I mean, it's all you'd have to do to run against Joe Biden is put together a highlight reel of which there is no limit to all the gaffes over the last three to four years. You know, you can remind people what happened in Afghanistan, you know, the images from the airport you have the, the, from Kabul and, and, and the billions of dollars in hardware that we left there. And then you can remind people about <laughs> All the illegals crossing over the border, millions, and we're talking millions of people in this country, undocumented, and they're just here forever now. And then you could talk about the crime and you could talk about war, whatever it is. Here's and the that thing, these though. things would have happened. Yeah. And this is this is what's interesting about what we're choosing here. Yeah, yeah. Perhaps if we choose, if the party chooses to nominate Donald Trump, I don't think we're talking about those things very much. No, it, I don't think we're funding yeah. ads. On those things. No, this is like the way I would funding legal procedures. Yeah, this is what I would like to see. And instead, it's going to be about, you know, his could be about his trial and things like that. I mean, again, but what he what he what what Trump is successful. And and by the way, and you just have to show a highlight reel of all of Biden's gaffes. You know, I mean, look, there was the ABC. He's very bad. He's very bad. The ABC News poll that's out that showed only 28 percent of Americans have confidence that Biden has the mental or the physical capability to do another four years. That is a really bad number. And what Trump on the other side has done, we talk about why do people vote for Trump? He has made he has made it that he has linked the the common man and, 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 and a lot of these voters who feel forgotten, left out, that an attack on him and his attack on them. Right. And they're they're playing me for a fool. They're playing you for a fool. You know, they think you're an idiot. And, and you know, I mean, Again, well, the, and the entrance polling such yeah. that you believe it of of Iowa, you know, these things are like a little sure. iffy of Iowans suggested that that was a large part of the narrative, like that they yeah. that they don't two thirds of them don't believe that Biden won, that right. there's a large percentage who believe that the attacks on him are sort of a stand in for attacks on them. I would argue he gets himself into his own trouble quite easily, in addition to the oh, attacks sure. on him that are actually political targeting and are dishonest and wrong. I do think, so he he can point to a record and that's why a lot of people are like, like things were better a couple of years ago. They were. You think about crime, the economy, you know, foreign policy. You know, the the Wall Street Journal, the Wall Street Journal today said it was, you know, where, you know, one of the lines was people look back and remember that America's enemies were not quote on the march. And that is true, you know. And he can... He can point to that, and it's like in recent memory, yeah. and I think that's that is important, and that's why he's basically an incumbent president. He running also again. looked. He but, also looked coherent last night. But and I I do want to say when they when he talks about the economy and look, it's pretty clear that voters don't care about this. I care mm-hmm. about this. Not a lot do. The economy was better under him, and then he made mm-hmm. a knee jerk, and not correct decision, to listen almost solely to the Fauci's of the world. Yeah. And cripple the American economy in a way that has almost never been done 
had he been more like a Ron DeSantis, yeah. who was looking through the numbers and deciding what to do strategically and with the data, he might not have done that so disastrously. Yeah. Now, he does get credit for the things that came before that, but he should sure. also take some blame for the crippling, the like historic crippling of the mm -hmm. American economy. What's, what's interesting is in the general election, the Democrats will not be in a position to go after him. Well, no, and my point is, I think, I, my point is, I think, and I wish that the DeSantis pitch had been more based on that from yeah. the beginning and gone hard on him and said, like, look, mm -hmm. this guy made the wrong decision in a, it was a hard situation, but you want a leader who makes the right decisions in hard situations. And he did. And I think, like, the appetite for talking about COVID and the appetite for accountability on that are just not high. Mm -hmm. And I have to yeah. be honest about that, even though my appetite is very high for that. Sure. <laughs> we still demand the reckoning over here. Yes. Uh, what a so reckoning. Did you want to talk about, I, I wanted to talk about the, the you know, the media's, I watched Trump's speech on Fox, but it turns out you couldn't watch it everywhere. Yeah, actually, I want to get to that one Let's do a couple media stories. One, I do want to play my buddy Guy Benson's very on-point prediction for what would happen mm -hmm. in Iowa from Sunday. So we'll play that real quick. President Trump is going to hit 50. Uh, I think he's going to win by 25, maybe uh, 30 points. I'm going to say that Ron DeSantis and his team on the ground, his organization here, will be enough to propel him to second place. I think there is momentum for Nikki Haley. I think that's real. But will those people actually turn out? I think the higher propensity caucus goers are for DeSantis. So I think he does eke out second place. And I'm giving him a shout out because he is my friend. Mm -hmm. And also because when people get it right about these things, yeah. we should incentivize getting it right and like reward getting it right. So good job. He pretty much nailed that one. Another media story is why were all the networks calling this while people were voting? Ah, the DeSantis campaign was in a state about this, and so were the so was the Nikki Haley campaign. And uh, so, just, uh, just to set the table, yeah, please, the caucuses are not like polls, so there's not sure. like a time that they close. So it's slightly different. But due to the issues with Florida in mm -hmm. two in two thousand, is that right? Yes. In yeah, 2000. So long yeah, ago. Of course. That was due 24 issues, years ago. <laughs> due to issues in Florida in 2000, during which networks were calling the state while people in the panhandle of Florida in a different time zone were still voting, mm -hmm. that could have changed the outcome of the yeah. election. So generally, media made a decision collectively right. that we don't do this while people are voting because that disrupts the process. Yeah. Caucuses are slightly different because they close the doors, they give the speeches, people drop their little slips in a bucket. I mean, mm -hmm. this is how mm -hmm. it's like very low tech. And the networks, for whatever reason, in concert with the Iowa GOP decided, look, they're going to start voting by 720 Central or mm -hmm. what have you. Or they're going to start at like 7 ish, 715, 720. By 730, people will be voting. It'll be in process. Yeah. And for some reason, the decision was made that waiting until that time when things were in process and people were voting would be fine to call things. Right. Now, yeah. To be fair to Trump and the media, they wouldn't have called it if it weren't a blowout. Right. That's yeah. why they can call it. However, the margins matter. Sure. Which is why. And I just think it's bad practice to be yeah, calling no. things while people are voting. So the there, this what, is a little. Yeah. It's not a mini controversy. It's a medium controversy because I believe that the DeSantis camp and the Haley camp 
have a right to be annoyed by this. Yeah, uh, there was a DeSantis spokesman who was claiming that he was in the middle of flipping, you know, votes. People were undecided and all of a sudden on their phones it says it's been called Trump wins in a landslide. Seems like a problem. And another people were trying to call out the Associated Press because it's against their rules about calling before the results. But it wasn't unclear to me if if they wanted to play, you know, with semantics and say that, oh, well, that's just for primaries versus caucuses are different. And it's a, the rolling caucus results. I think there were, there were people were explaining. I just think if you want to yeah. like preserve democracy and be really, mm-hmm. you know, you know, lofty about such things, then you should let people vote before you start declaring yeah, what's agree, happened. Agreed unless the ratings are at stake. And, and that's what I mean. As soon as one network calls it, the pressure is immense. Well, say, and come I, on now. The story, the story from the press, too, was that they were working in concert with the Iowa GOP. So if, if they didn't want yeah. this information yeah. out there, then they wouldn't. Run. Anyway, so that's there the is a conspiracy now about with these, you know, secondary campaigns saying that they're in cahoots to help Trump become the nominee. Look, then, I mean, yeah. it is undeniable that the RNC and GOP leadership in various places have made decisions that benefit the Trump campaign. Yeah. That's yeah. a that's a real thing. Yeah. Speaking of which, in the in the path co- going forward, uh, you know, California is this huge treasure treasure trove of delegates to yeah. get you to the nomination. Someone who sticks around till Super Tuesday might hope that they could peel off some California delegates. There's 169 of them and they can be divvied up yes. throughout the state. It's not a winner take all, mm-hmm. except the GOP changed the rules in July of last year so that if the leader is over 50 percent, all the delegates go to him. <laughs> Guess what Trump's at right now? Yeah. 66. Yeah. So like if he's even within 15 points, he's getting 169. That's right. Out of California. Okay. Back to your story, which uh, is the, we're just doing open censorship now. Is that what we're yes. doing? Okay. Please explain what happened. Because again, I saw this on, on Fox. I said, okay, look, it's interesting. And I was surprised about the, what I would call the kinder and gentler Trump, you know, where yes. he stayed on message. He didn't go off on one of his insane tirades. And I, and, and, and I thought two things I thought one, if he keeps most of his speeches like this, where he's very staid, mm-hmm. you know, he'll 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 probably cruise, you know, to to election victory. But the other thing is, but you, <laughs> like, are we like it's we're a, really it's, not going to play this game minor, where we yes. pretend that that could happen? It's right? an enormous, it's an it's an enormous what if, you know. But I mean, <laughs> this caveat that you know, if he stays on script, because you know he's known for doing that. And the other thing is, I guess Doug Burgum was there. And I thought, I wonder if he's in the running for our VP. Well, so Doug Burgum was among many of the sort of um, sort of a cascade of endorsements for Trump right before the caucus, among them, perhaps on the surprising end, Burgum and Marco Rubio. Marco Rubio. Everybody's beginning to fall in lockstep now. Yes. Kim Reynolds. Kim Reynolds, by the way, who said. You know, if Trump is nominee, of course, she's going to support him. And I think Sununu had said that before, too. I think he has. Yes. Yeah. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if Burgum gets some kind of slot. But anyway, so the, the media decides while Trump is doing his victory speech, look, he won by a lot of points. I don't like the guy. He ain't my tup- cup of tea. Mm. But he's given his speech, by the way, very Trumpy. Um, people kept thinking, like, why is he waiting? Because it was clear that he had won early on. Yeah. He's waiting because he cares about the 11 o'clock news because he's an old school media guy. What do you think so, Biden was doing at that hour? <laughs> it's definitely unconscious at that point. Um, so he waited till 11 because that's the, the local news feed and you get on the 11 o'clock news. So he gives his speech. 
but Rachel Maddow has thoughts oh about God. whether they can cover that. Yeah. So here's Maddow. I'm sorry, I just have to do a little bit of business just for a second. Um, at this point in the evening, the projected winner of the Iowa caucuses um, has just started giving his victory speech. Uh, we will keep an eye on that as it happens. Uh, we will let you know if there's any news made in that speech, if there's anything noteworthy, something substantive and important. Um, the reason I'm saying this is, of course, there is a reason that we and other news organizations have generally stopped giving an unfiltered live platform to remarks by former President Trump. It is not out of spite. It is not a decision that we relish. It is a decision that we regularly revisit. Um, and honestly, earnestly, it is not an easy decision, but there is a cost to us as a news organization of knowingly broadcasting untrue things. That is a fundamental truth of our business and who we are. And so his remarks tonight will not air here live. We will monitor them um, and let you know about any news that he makes. Stephanie, I was just saying, I believe that's why J.B. Pritzker is not afraid or not answering Joy's Gossa question. Mm. Because as much as that I enjoy her line about there's a price to pay oh. for saying untrue mm. things on air or for them airing untrue things. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. Mm, can we roll tape on some Russia Kate? clips i thought she was suggesting there's also a, a price to pay in the, in the in the sense of the you know they'll lose out in the ratings war with fox because oh know, no i think they're foregoing some uh, ratings by not playing him yeah oh yeah definitely some definitely. other networks i think made the same decision cutting away from trump and look i know they're a little butthurt about this because they gave him so much <laughs> general admission everyone yeah, yeah. but they're butthurt about this because they <laughs> they gave him that. so much airtime in 2016, while I was over there yelling like, hey, guys, I know you think this is funny, but this is not a great idea. Yeah. And so now they're sort of going in the opposite direction. But to openly admit that what you're doing is depriving people of just a speech from the front runner of this party, who is, I grant you, bad in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But you can talk about that and also play the speech, which is newsworthy. Yeah. No. So along with Rachel Maddow, I think Jake Tapper also interjected at some point saying you're listening to, you know, Donald Trump's speech. And, and then he mentions, oh, he's going into his anti-immigrant rhetoric right now. We're going to seal up the border. Because right now we have an invasion. We have an invasion of millions and millions of people that are coming into our country. I can't imagine why they think that's a good thing. Donald Trump declaring victory with a historically a strong showing in the Iowa caucuses. If these numbers hold the biggest victory for a non-incumbent president in the modern era for this contest, a relatively subdued speech as these things go so far, although here he is right now under under my voice, you hear him repeating his anti-immigrant rhetoric. Uh, he did take time to praise his rivals, Haley and DeSantis and Ramaswamy by name. Rather un-Trump-like to do that, uh, gracious, but perhaps a sign of some message discipline, at least for one night. The feeling is this, Mary Catherine, which is, you know, if they don't intervene, the American people watching this, many of them in 2020, it was like 74 plus million Americans voted for Trump. They're, going, they're not going to know what is real and what's not, what is the lies and what aren't lies. And you have to trust us. He tells a lot of lies. Therefore, we will decide for you what, to, what, what you should see and what you shouldn't see. And I'm wondering if this then culminates in a general election presidential debate where they'll ask Trump a question and then they'll just go right to Biden. And you'll <laughs> never hear Trump cut again. Away. 
Yeah, no, I mean, what happens in the debate? Do they just block him? Honestly. Yeah. And this, honestly. Is, this is the problem. This was the problem in 2020. They decided yeah. that we shouldn't know the Hunter Biden information, even though it was true. We know true, what's best. Trust us. And it was coming from a newspaper. Yeah. yeah. And it was real. Mm -hmm. They decided that that was not no. okay for us to know. In the case of the lab leak theory, they decided it was not okay for us to discuss right. that. In the case of many of these, you know, non-pharmaceutical interventions yeah. for COVID, they decided that we didn't need to hear right. the real deal about that and that we couldn't discuss it too much because then you might actually figure some things out. So this is this is who they are. This is who they will be throughout this election. And that's one of the things that's frustrating about this process is that, and I said this on air last night, as I'm in the demo, I'm certainly the the right-leaning version of the demo, right? but I'm in the demo that the GOP has been absolutely hemorrhaging for three election cycles, mm -hmm, which is sure. suburban moms, suburban women. Okay. And they left the GOP because of Trump in many occasions or went from swing voters to not swing voters to solid Democratic voters. They've been battered by the inflation of the Biden years because they're making financial decisions for their families and doing all that shopping and they're upset about mm -hmm. it. And they're looking at this situation like, so we're just going to do what we did in 2020, but older. <laughs> That's the plan. That's right. the plan for America. And what are these two candidates going to be talking about? If indeed the presumptive candidates are the candidates. Trump will be talking about Trump's legal issues with a smattering of economy and his record mm -hmm. and some like retribution. The mass, Biden, the mass deportation. But that's, that's I think that's probably a, a winning message for some voters. Like, oh yeah, well, this is the only honestly, way to do it. The know? immigration stuff is yeah. probably a suburban mom mm -hmm. argument that you mm -hmm. can make. Yeah. Biden's going to be talking about Trump when he's talking, but most of the time he won't be talking. And someone said last night, you know, that Trump's job now is to convince these suburban women to be pragmatic with their votes, mm -hmm. right? And to be Trump voters because Biden is indeed hurting right. them in, in real ways. I would argue that the, like, the suburban women of Virginia, for instance, were very pragmatic in 2021 when there yeah. was a 14-point swing toward Youngkin, yeah. right? But Youngkin is a disciplined candidate right. who made a very convincing argument to them mm -hmm that he was frankly not Trump, that he was in many ways the opposite of Trump. Right. Now, I would just say to anybody who thinks, I think that Trump can win, but do not think that he's going to win based on some newly found ability to convince that particular kind of voter right. that he's the guy. Now, Biden might lose because he's so, so terrible. And Trump could pull in some low propensity voters that are different from the old mm -hmm. GOP. That, that's always been the formula, right? Right. But there are a lot, frankly, there are fewer of his older voters than there were eight years ago. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah, uh, sure. And then when you trade yeah. high propensity mom mm -hmm. schedule making calendar voters mm -hmm. for low propensity, more working class voters who aren't regular voters, you might lose some on the margins. Anyway, it's a tricky thing, man. I think I think that the Biden strategy, as we know, is he can't talk about his record. He can't talk about Bidenomics. I mean, on occasion, I mean, like right now, gas prices are low. Great. You know, and the mortgage rates are going down, but they're still high. Unemployment. He can talk about that. Not not labor participation. Can't talk about it. Can talk about unemployment. But by and large, I think that their message is he is not Trump. That's why you should vote for me. Yeah. I'm not the crazy man. 
I might not know where I am, but I'm not crazy, but I don't know where I am. That's the first thing. And then the second thing is abortion. And Trump had been going back and forth. He recently owned it and then bragged about it, that it's because of his judges. And he was so happy that Roe v. Wade was overturned. He's hedged a little bit, obviously, in the past. But I mean, that's the message that for, for Biden is that you have to vote for me because because you don't want the other guy. Yeah. That's it. He can't talk about anything else regarding the economy in the last four years. He can't say, are you better now than you were four years ago? He definitely can't say that. I mean, those are the metrics that that he's losing on. Now, I, I should adjust. And he has to campaign because I know. He, he has to it's get out be, there. I mean, I was, David Pluff was yeah. on, former Obama sure. advisor, architect, was on NBC last night and saying, you know, this will be harder for Biden. He has to run a tougher campaign than yeah. he did last time, He which means he would need to run a campaign mm-hmm. and be out and about, which I do not think he's physically capable of. No. And he pointed specifically to the numbers with young people to say, I don't. This is very, very hard for him, much harder than it was in 2020. He is um, not connecting with young people the way Obama did and the way Bill Clinton did in 1992. The, yeah. I mean, I remember that, the feeling at that time in 92 amongst my Democratic friends. Because it was, you know, George H.W. Bush was, relatively speaking, an old man, right. you know, not by today's standards, right. but they went, but, but Clinton was young and energetic and Al Gore, blah, blah, right, blah. Right. And, you know, this is not this is not Biden. And certainly when people are thinking, is it going to be, you know, about a Trump Biden race? They're also thinking it's a Trump Kamala Harris race. Yeah. And By the way, uh, helping them. it hasn't been since 1892 that we've had a functionally a two incumbent general election, presumably because it's so painful and awful. Right. We just waited a long time to do it again. 1892, <laughs> by the way, the year that both of these candidates graduated from high school. So <laughs> very funny, <laughs> very funny. No, I don't. I, and I also don't want to. So is that, that, that would be that, that's Grover Cleveland's second. Grover Cleveland. Grover, yes. Yeah, and uh, Har- is it Harrison? Yeah. And I don't want a foregone conclusion the whole rest of the primary because there are voters who need to have their say. Mm-hmm. I think New Hampshire will be interesting. But I sure. think if Trump's over 50 in Iowa and Haley does not win outright in New Hampshire and then they go to South Carolina where he's going yeah. to be. As strong as Iowa, I think, oh, yeah, in all sure. likelihood. Oh, Trump? Yeah, absolutely. Um, now, it should be said that Nikki Haley's been on the ground in New Hampshire a lot. She has infrastructure there. She has outside groups helping her. She has ad buys there. Mm-hmm. But again, you go to South Carolina, that's your home state. Yeah. There's, there's the bright spot that Vivek Ramaswamy dropped out of the race. Oh, should... that was huge news because it was a distant fourth. Yes, we should play a little bit of his, his announcement, which actually was... Gracious in its own way. Now, this is a campaign founded on speaking the truth. Not just when it's easy, but when it's hard. Not just to the Democrats, but to our own side. And not just to other campaigns and candidacies, but to ours. And so I will stick to the truth tonight. The first hard truth, and this one's hard for me. I got to admit this. But we've looked at it every which way, and I think it is true that we did not achieve the surprise that we wanted to deliver tonight. And I think that that's just a hard fact that we're going to have to accept as a campaign. And the question then is, what do we do that is right for our country? And so Porv and I, we, we actually didn't make this contingency plan before everybody told us to. We said, no, we're not doing that. 
But we talked about it tonight. We took a little bit of time in our apartment in Des Moines before coming here to make some hard choices. And I wanted to make a couple of announcements tonight to get the business out of the way. And then I want to tell you where we're going. As of this moment, we are going to suspend this presidential campaign. And this is going to have to be, there is no path for me to be the next president, absent things that we don't want to see happen in this country. And I think that I am very worried for our country. I think we are skating on thin ice as a nation. We have done everything in our part to make and done. Every one of us in this room has done our part to save this country. And I am so proud of every one of you who have lifted us up but we're a campaign founded on the truth. And so that's why we've made that decision today. And I'm also making the decision that this has to be an America first candidate in that White House. As I've said since the beginning, there are two America first candidates in this race. And earlier tonight, I called Donald Trump to tell him that I congratulated him on his victory. And now going forward, he will have my full endorsement for the presidency. And I think we're going to do the right thing for this country. And so I'm going to ask you to follow me in taking our America first movement to the next level. It did not begin in 2016. It began in 1776. There was a, you know, there was a, we, we, we talked quite before he decided to run for president. You and I on this show had spoken rather positively about Vivek. He had written things and op-eds. I thought this guy is smart. He's a, he's a tech guy in his lane. He knows a lot about what he's talking about, obviously. And, and certainly, I, I, there was a lot of appeal with his positions about transgenderism. You know, He was yeah. unapologetic about that. And he was very firm about what we're dealing with here. And I said, oh, okay, I can see the, the appeal to this guy. And then after that, you, know, you get into 9-11 and other things. <laughs> Israel I mean, is problematic. So, so yeah. So he's not going anywhere. Don't worry. He said he's not going anywhere. Look, I think he's he's entertaining. Yeah, he is smart, although sometimes mm -hmm. he pretends not to be mm -hmm. and makes dumb arguments. You know, again, not he's my 38, cup of, not right? my cup of tea, he's, but like people enjoy. Yeah. Listening to him, he's going to be a Lincoln dinner speaker for a long time. He's going to be at what is it? Turning point events. One okay, would imagine. Yeah, yeah, sure. Sure. Yeah. He's going to, you know, and, and, and he's got plenty more. He is the only presidential candidate that can do as many burpees as he did. Look, that is a quality I appreciate yeah, that's, in a candidate. Impressive. Okay? I can't even do a burpee right now. Sigh. Anyway, so. Yeah. So we're, we're moving forward. So this is uh, it. We're down to three. Yeah. I mean, is Asa Hutchinson still yes, in the race? Yes, I was going to say, Asa, his name was still being thrown around. I was looking at the results for Iowa and he was campaigning the whole thing, you know, so he's, yeah. Yeah. yeah, but okay. I mean, this is. I mean, I I wonder at what point, after, assuming Trump gets the nomination, and you could have a situation where he gets the nomination, and then he gets convicted, convicted, right? a felony conviction, and fully a third of supporters say, "Oh, I can't go that far. I'm not going to vote for him." And then we have, and then and then and then it might be too late for us to pick somebody else. What happens if on the other side, not even the other side, rather, you still have Biden, Harris, and they're still flailing about. And then suddenly you have Larry Hogan, Joe Manchin, or Joe Manchin, Larry Hogan. Or Chris Christie, Manchin, Hogan mm -hmm. combo of some kind, right? Something. Chris Christie, he ain't going away either. Yeah, he's hard to miss. Much, much like myself, 
anyone who loves a mic is not willingly going away in these new media times. You can find a mic anywhere and you yeah, can broadcast yeah, yourself. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I don't know. There's a lot of weird factors in this race, which is why, you know, if you are a left-leaning person or media mm-hmm. who is sort of boosting Trump because you think he's the weakest option, in many cases, that has not been a wise move. Now, in yeah. many cases, that has worked. The MAGA-type candidates in, in places like Pennsylvania and Arizona have lost dramatic race right. in those places to the to the benefit of the Democratic Party. But, you know, this is playing with fire in a weird year if yeah. you're on that side, because I think the third party thing can make a difference. I think that No Labels has done the work of ballot access, which is yeah. always the the tricky part. That's why most third candidates are Green Party candidates, mm-hmm. because Green Party candidates have an ap- apparatus right. for getting on the ballot. Speaking of which, did you see there's like a tiny news story the other day that the Biden campaign messed up in Illinois and might not be on the ballot? No, I didn't see that. So like, who knows how this will shake up, shake out. Usually the way it shakes out is that, you know, somebody in Illinois is like, oh, we don't care if you follow the rules. Never mind. Stamp, stamp, move on. You're on the ballot. However, these processes can be onerous and complicated. And in the case of Illinois, you have to have an Illinois based notary notarize your signatures that are in triplicate and bound like a magazine that you hand over to the secretary of state right this is like it's a weird thing uh, and this is how the major parties keep other upstarts off the ballot yes. because you have to do all this work and you have to pay people to do this work uh, they, on, the, on, on the one hand you know i do they're they're big and i they're the, the chris christie of the democratic party jb pritzker yeah, certain, well, he's bigger than Chris. I think oh, he, I don't know. They're about equal. I think they're about equal. They I can, think Pritzker edges him out there. They can sumo it out, but I imagine he'd find a way to uh, make this happen for Joe. Well, Biden. yeah. So, yeah. Nonetheless, someone noted that Joe Biden's team didn't use an Illinois notary. Now, I think that the fact that these processes are onerous and complicated mm-hmm. is stupid, right? Yeah, and designed to keep keep people off the ballot. However, one might think about the fact that it's almost as onerous and complicated as, I don't know, running the United States of America, which is what this guy's team would like to do. Yeah. So is it a little concerning? Yeah. Well, again, considering they had no idea where the Secretary of Defense was for several days. Oh, my gosh. There was a news story the other day that was like, Biden and Bibi haven't talked in three weeks. And I'm like, neither has he and his Secretary of Defense. Like, why why would we need him? Like, why would yeah. we assume he's calling Bibi? Yeah, yeah. A leader in a foreign country, please. Oh, my gosh. Speaking of which, we should we should transition to a little bit of foreign policy news. I do want to note that it's been 100 days this week since October October 7th. There are still more than 100 yeah, uh, hostages, hostages. And the hostage videos that are coming in now are terrible. Yes. Now, yeah. they're still in Gaza. Hamas psychopaths have been putting psychopaths. out video game type graphics. Mm-hmm. And hostage videos, hostage videos, which are black letter violations mm-hmm. of Geneva Convention, conventions of various hostages mm-hmm. speaking. And then under their pictures, they say, you'll find out their fate tomorrow. Yeah, like th- this like, is a joke they, to them. Are they dead, injured or still alive? Right. I mean, it's it's really gross. Stuff. The, 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 their supporters, you know, you have to you have to ask them. Is this cool with you? And they'll say, well, the IDF has been doing this since 1948 or whatever. And the fact is, they're fine with it. They're fine. Yeah. Like there was also these this pro-Hamas, pro-Palestinian rally in, in New York, and they demonstrated and protested outside Sloan Kettering. 
Yeah, that's yeah. a that's a cancer ward, guys. Yeah. yeah. They were they were yelling outside. We probably have a clip of this. They were yelling outside, make sure they hear you in there. They're at yeah. the windows. Yeah, the ones who are at on, and getting like, their chemo. Make sure there's they like hear little you. little cancer stricken children with masks yeah. on standing at the window. I mean, this yeah. is wild. And this is again, when it comes to like disaffected voters, which is I'm sort of in that I'm in right. that category, right? People who are having real life issues and feel like this system's not serving them, both parties are absolutely spinning out mm-hmm. <laughs> on a national yeah. level. On a, on a state level, by the way, extraordinarily competent governance in Florida, in Georgia, in Virginia, in Iowa, right? Yeah. But on a national level, whole different situation. Yeah, that's right. So. And the left is like, this is what the left's doing. Mm-hmm. So the I, I guess the Pentagon w- intentionally waited until after we taped our podcast. They always do to to <laughs> launch their military action against the Houthis. <laughs> you know, it's an it's inconvenient for us. I guess they think they probably think that our audience reach is so powerful that they don't want to spoil the operations. You know, by <laughs> getting the word out through getting hammered. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. But That's yeah, funny. they we we blew up some Houthis. Yes. We did, and the, the hooties and the blowfish and got. I was going to say the hooties and the blowfish. The hooties, excuse me. Houthis, the Houthis, which occupy, you know, the western part of the country, including the the capital Sanaa, and that was a that was you know a Biden had brokered this peace deal that essentially just handed it over to the Houthis, and so a couple and things. delisted them as a terrorist group. Yes, That's they were another... delisted when he entered office because Trump had listed them as a terrorist uh, right. organization, and therefore you have you know, all these, you know, embargoes and things like that against them to make life difficult. And then Biden comes in, he lifts that and they're attacking Americans. They're attacking us. They're launching rockets at us in Israel. And for some reason, we don't consider that to be terrorists. We don't consider them to be terrorists. That's the first problem. And, 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 and I think we all know why that was. And the other thing was the tit for tat that had been going on prior to this military action which was we're just knocking down missile by missile. I mean, there are huge, you know, weapons caches and depots on the ground that we could hit, we could yeah. knock out. One of our missiles could knock out an entire thing, but instead we're going to get a, you know, match them, you know, rocket by ro- rocket for rocket. We don't have that many rockets, and the fear was, of course, well, if we hit them on the ground and knock them all out, that could escalate things, and if we escalate things, well, that might upset the Iranians, and if that upsets the Iranians. You know, one that can get them even more involved in the Middle East. They might be, uh, they might do more things, and it might, who knows, hurt our chances with restarting the JCPOA nuclear deal. So, yeah, this deference to Iran. The the pro, yes, things already. When when the sphere that things are escalating, they have. They're all right. It's already happened. Don't worry about it happening because it's already here. And yeah, and and so the same thing with 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 going after the Houthis on the ground. What do you think they're doing? And they're attacking international shipping. This is well. And to my point about both parties and their supporters, like sort of spinning out. Yeah. Actually, I want to play real quick to another Rachel Maddow clip of her talking about the coming fascism and the coming authoritarianism, which, of course, she sees as solely wrapped up in Donald Trump. So let me play a little bit of that. And the big picture takeaway from that, and I don't mean to be, again, too dark, as you said, on this, but it is not... If we are worried about the rise of authoritarianism in this country, we are worried about potential rise of fascism in this country. If we're worried about our democracy falling to an authoritarian and potentially fascist form of government, 
The leader who is trying to do that is part of that equation. Mm -hmm. But people wanting that Correct. is a yeah. much mm -hmm. bigger part mm -hmm. of that That's equation. Right. And the American electorate is made up of two major parties. One of those parties has been flirting with extremism on the ultra-right for a very long time. They've brought them in in a way that they haven't been central to Republican electoral politics ever before, and I know because I've been studying this. But once you have radicalized one major party so that those are the preferences of the people who adhere to your party, the leaders interchangeable. Mm -hmm. And yes, Trumpism is sometimes what we call it. Mm -hmm. MAGA movement is probably a better way to do it. But there is an authoritarian mm -hmm. movement inside yes. Republican politics that isn't being bamboozled by Trump. Mm -hmm. They are pushing Trump That's to yeah. get more and more right. extreme because the more extreme things he says, the more they, the like more they adhere and to him. That, yeah. and, and that is coming from a very large proportion of the American right that adheres to the Republican Party. And that's why this is a Republican Party problem more than it is the problem mm -hmm. of one man and his leader. And we, and we can the... Look, again, I'm not a supporter for many reasons, including the fact that, you know, I think he makes bad decisions and that I think he has a bent toward mm -hmm. like strong manning that I do mm -hmm. not appreciate mm -hmm. because whatever benefits Trump benefits America mm -hmm. is sort of his mindset. And I don't believe that's true. However, I just, it is wild to me that anyone thinks that there's only one party and its supporters who be acting crazy. Right. Because in the wake of the Houthi strike, the left and its activists oh, have, been unhappy. In, have been in the streets marching for the Houthis, yeah. who are a terrorist group whose actual flag i believe like not even the charter you don't even have to go read the charter the actual flag says yeah like death to america we that's hate right. the jews i mean it's like that's right no it, it does it it's does. very very clear yeah they're out in the streets supporting them there are left-leaning activists on twitter who are like so i want to like academically reframe oh, the slavery that yeah. some people are pointing out that the houthis do because in in this culture it's a different kind of slavery yeah. i mean Y'all are out of your minds. It was kind of noble in a way. It's not Someone slavery. Called, it's one not person slavery called it. slavery. Yeah. Agency. Yeah. What was it? Agency respecting slavery. Wow. Oh, that kind. Is yeah. that the kind? Anyway, my point being like, if you're just trying to buy groceries and this is the nonsense you're hearing from either yeah. side. Yeah. No, thanks. <laughs> I'm just, you know, no, it's, not, it, 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 it's insane. I also think the more they keep on going after Trump this way and saying that, you know, the threat to democracy and, and, and fascism and, and, and all these fears, and we're going to do everything we can, certainly the media, to prevent you from hearing him. And, and, and that, I think that makes a lot of people more curious no, about and, thinking, and it's what just is a, it, who is this person they keep hiding from us? You know, well, I, I might have part, to look into this. This is the part where I identify very strongly with Trump supporters, which is you a-holes. Yeah, you really are. You wanted yeah. to weld people in their homes a la yeah. the Chinese Communist right. Party right. for the greater part of a year and then some. Mm -hmm. Like, they mm -hmm. wouldn't have shied away from actual police action to keep you in oh, your home. They right? wished a lot of a lot of important <laughs> leaders wished, if you yes. remember, that they had the what that they had the ability that the Chinese have. And then you're like, to control oh. its population. You're like, you guys are pretty authoritarian. It's like, dude, you told us we couldn't go to restaurants for a year and a half. Like yeah. that's that is authoritarianism. Yeah. So I, I, the, the total lack of consistent standards is grating both in the general election situation, how the press covers it, and frankly in the primary where. 
Trump's competition has to meet diff- completely different standards than he does, oh, right? Yeah. He can gaff all day long. He doesn't have to engage with voters, but his competition does. And if they didn't do the things that they're supposed to do in Iowa, they'd be at 1%, right? right. I'm aggravated by that, that double standard. As are many. Oh, man. All right. Something what, what, lighter. What else do we have? Did you want to? Did you want to go light? We march forward, Vic. It is 2024. Yeah, yeah. It's an election year. I, I do want to throw this out, by the way. You talked about not letting us go into uh, not them letting us into restaurants. There was a an interesting piece in the Wall Street Journal about how the restaurants in Washington D.C. are dying and the restaurant scene is dying. Oh, uh, yeah. and it's for three reasons, and not a surprise, but you know, there was a moment in 2018 going into 2019 where you know. DC restaurants were getting Michelin stars, you know, and right. it became no longer just a, you know, a steakhouse place. Right. And, and, and there's all these really interesting places, pineapple and pearls or whatever people waiting in long lines to get in. And now restaurants are closing. It's, you know, it's, it's flailing. The scene is it's dying there. And, and there's no, you know, there's nobody out on the streets and, and it's for three reasons they point out in this piece in the journal. One, Obviously, pandemic, pandemic right. policy, people started working from home and the federal government still has not forced pe- a lot of the agencies. Most of those people were now going on to four years since, right, so, well, you know, three years since COVID or whatever. And, and they're not coming back. And yeah. if they're not coming back, then most of these streets are empty. They get taken over by, you know, homeless criminals or whoever encampments. And so crime becomes an issue. Something like, you know, homicides in D.C. are now up 35 percent. Car theft is up eighty two percent. Yeah, and and, and it's I mean, not the, even like, like the lesson is like yeah. we have some great restaurants if you can get to them without dying. Well, that's the thing. I you know when I go if I take an Uber into the city, that Uber driver is so quick to lock and unlock his do- unlock and lock his doors because I mean, they you know there thing. was there was you know there was a carjacking right in front of the Ritz Carlton you know which is in the West End in fancy Georgetown and of course there was the shooting that happened near where, you know, uh, one of the Bidens live in Georgetown as well because of an attempted carjacking. A friend of ours that we know who lives in Upper Northwest, nice part, I sort of jokingly said, oh, how many times has your car been, you know, carjacking? He goes, actually, you know, it was like twice in the oh, last God. three years or three. And no, it was like three times. And the se- after the stolen second Stolen or carjacked? No, stolen. Okay. Excuse me. Stolen. I was worried about it. But the second time he said, they f- the, the police recovered his car. And he didn't have his keys with him. So he said, you'll have to call a tow. And he said, I'm just going to go back and get my keys, you know, because I'm, I'm only several blocks away. Right. And I can get it. When he went to get back his keys, the car was stolen again. No. And the, and the police were and the police and the police were saying to him, no, no, no. You know, we're looking on our app on the, on the computer. It says that you, you recovered it. He goes, no, it just got stolen oh, again. Yes. Just, I just mean, it's funny, but it's not. It's insane. So and then here's the other thing was um, the D.C. City Council passed this initiative 82, which doubled or tripled sort of the base minimum wage for tip workers. Yes. Right. And a lot of a lot of wait staff were talking about this. If you went to restaurants, yeah. they were anticipating this. Yeah. And so what happens now, you're getting these service fees. But because you're getting these additional service fees, a lot of people are tipping less. And so you have, according to this piece in the journal, a lot of wait staff saying they're actually making less now than they did before an initiative 82. And again, these unintended consequences. Now, this is the hard truth of unintended consequences, right? The left has a lot of nice sounding ideas Yeah. that when the rubber hits the road, as we talked about in California and the minimum wage and the fast food stuff they get, or the, the gig worker economy, you just end up yeah. losing your job That's or you it. just end up losing your tips. 
right. and these things on in again your ideas sound nice oh right if you don't it, think yeah about the economics of it and then it doesn't pan out yeah. so well it's the road to hell paved with good intentions so. well and i just think these these cities again this is another argument that trump will make these cities committed suicide in 2020 yeah. with these yeah. policies i don't know how they thought this was all coming back they thought they could just turn the spigot back on and that's not how it works there was a 60 minutes piece the other day about city you know office real estate there's millions of square oh, feet yeah. that's going unused it's huge. it's 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 a little dystopian you could have predicted all of this if you understand economics and yet all these cities were fine with it now this is again not to not to throw us back into the general election com uh, conversation but if trump is the nominee one of his arguments will be that i'm better at keeping the cities from committing suicide however i would note they did it on his watch yeah sure <laughs> the riots of 2020 yeah. all the shutdowns those were on his watch. He can't exactly tell them what to do, but he could have like you know, prosecuted more rioters. But, you know, like this is the thing that sort of glitches me out about the Trump supporters argument is like I was there in 2020. I saw what was happening. Yeah. He was yeah. the president. It was. And, you know, well, and, 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 and of course, the rioting. Don't forget the rioting in Lafayette Park. I mean, it was I mean, insane. It was insane. OK. Light, lighting the church on fire. That was a fun. Yeah. One. By the way, uh, one more thing. Yeah. Palestinian, Palestinian protesters, pro-Palestinian protesters, partially breached the White House outer fence the other oh, day. Oh, yeah. You're not going to hear that, though. It's yeah. okay. I hope they don't prosecute anybody. I wanted to do, Ed, a, 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 on a very sad note, Mary Catherine. Okay. I'm ready. On the impending death of Fruit Stripes chewing gum. Fruit Stripe is done? Fruit Stripes is done. So its owner, Ferrara Candy, they announced- I uh, want to believe that that's just one woman named Ferrara. Ferrara. <laughs> like, well, you're thinking Geraldine. Uh, the, uh, so, you know, Fruit Stripes came out in the early 1960s, and apparently sales have not been great over the last, I don't know, decades. So, they lost that cool jingle. We should find that jingle. And yes, it. it's from the 90s. Yikes. Stripes. 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 It's a yummy, fruity And it's more of, they say, like of your time than mine, but I remember having fruit stripes in the 80s too. The reason they said is, quote, consumer preferences and purchasing patterns. Now, let me say this. Fruit stripes were very exciting. They came, it was like that zebra. Yeah. Uh, it was not a zebra and had, it was like a rainbow zebra with different flavors. And you put it in your mouth. It was this burst of fruit flavor and it lasted for almost two minutes. No, this is what it's famous right? for. <laughs> this... Much like much like many a spouse in this nation. <laughs> no, that's, a, yeah. that's what it's famous for. That's right. However, that flavor was great. Oh my gosh. And you know, this is a reason they say, you know, some of those packs you can buy fruit strips contained like 17 sticks. Because you got to keep on popping it every two minutes. Question. Okay, were you, are, question. Are you... Wait, quick question. Yeah. Yes. Is gum really a thing anymore? I I, like... That was my question for you. Uh, is gum a thing anymore? I don't I see... don't think it is. Kate chews gum. She chews gum, you know, I mean, but it's more like the more functional, what do you call it, extra or whatever it is. Yeah. You know, it's that You need a little breath boost or whatever. Yeah. I, it's interesting because I, I feel like it, gum feels dated to me. It does. I don't, you don't see people, I don't know if kids chew gum. I think they're all into the gummies, especially yeah, the ones I don't that think... are 
That or vodka soaked. I don't. Or worse. Yeah, I don't think kids are into gum. My my kids occasionally will see bubble tape and be like, "That's interesting." Maybe it's just uh, maybe it's just safety safetyism that parents are like, "Oh, that, I don't want you. Well, yeah, the gum. I don't want you getting is, that in your hair." And, yeah, it's dangerous. It's were dangerous. You, were, were you a chewing gum person? If so, did you have a favorite? I liked chewing gum a little. I liked bubble gum more than chewing gum. I will occasionally yes. still have chewing Same. gum. But yeah. I get a little obsessive about my chewing gum, and then I'll notice several hours later that I'm still like grinding on the like, okay, calm down. Right. So I don't chew it that much. I liked uh, Big League Chew in a grape flavor. <laughs> big League Chew? You mean is it the big, like, it was like the version of like tobacco in yes, a it's bag? A, it's a tobacco ca- it pouch. It's a, fake, a League? it's a fake chew pouch <laughs> for children. It's- Okay, yes. that's what no, I like. No, no, yes. I'm it's from a the gateway. St- it's a gateway drug, Mary Catherine. I'm from the state of North Carolina, and Goodness I liked gracious. grape Big League Chew in the pouch. And I also liked those peppermint candy cigarettes that came in what looked like a Lucky Strike box. Fake, yes, fake cigarettes. Very cool. And the 80s the, were a and, different time. Than- yes, Big League Chew for, for, you know, just when you're ready to get into dip. But you didn't get into that until like eighth grade. So, I, you know. Can I say, I didn't, I didn't chew a lot of gum as a child, uh, partly because a friend's mother who was sort of the, she came from the etiquette family in our oh. neighborhood. Okay? Oh, it's a not good for women to chew gum. No, a friend's that. mother said, has she had a rhyme that went, the gum-chewing girl and the cud-chewing cow are very alike, but different somehow. Hmm. What, it, <laughs> hmm, what is it? I see it now. It's the thoughtful look on the face of the cow. Wow. Wow. I've never heard that rhyme before. And that stuck with me, Vic. And that stuck with me. And you. every well, time I chew gum, no, I'm like, oh, I look like a dum-dum. It's not ladylike. And, and you know, you, you see it in movies. You see, a, you know, a, like a girl chewing gum is like, eh, you it's know. It's a very juvenile look, I It's think. a juvenile look. You're probably on roller skates. But my my favorite my favorite gum was Bubblicious Grape. It, see, we're both great people. You could I like blow that. that up. It was like a size of a balloon. I could teach my children how to blow bubbles. I should Maybe I should take them back to a different time. It's a lost, it's a lost art. Okay. And I'll say this just for our listeners. This is just, just shamelessly asking our listeners for help. What I really missed growing up was a snack by Lance called Michigan Cherries. So if there are any listeners out there that know where I can find Michigan Cherries, please let me know. I will buy them. Nice. Okay. Are they sour? Like sour cherries? No, they're, they're sweet. They're like, but they're hard on the outside mm-hmm. and, and chewy on the inside. And I used to sneak them in my Catholic school. <laughs> It was very, I felt very, it was, it was, it was the very big, edgy. The big, the biggest candy of my childhood was now and laters. Oh yeah. Oh, those are good. Those that are was good. a big thing. And as a child, I didn't understand, you know, I'm from the South and I didn't know what they were because they were always, they were always passed around at school and I never really had, I didn't eat them. Such an but people, time. But people called them in their Southern accents, now laters. And I was like, I asked my what mom at that? one point, can I have a nihilator? And my mom's like, what is a nihilator? I don't know what that is. <laughs> And we eventually figured out now and later now and is laters. what they're called, and they're kind of gross and hard and sour. Yeah, anyway. no, I mean it's it that that's like for me in the same category. I think is almost good and plenty. Or jo- Jolly Ranchers is similar to a now and later. I love Jolly Ranchers. I can't handle it now. I can't not with my diabetes. Okay. That wraps up this episode of Getting Hammered. Remember, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, and YouTube, and you can follow me on Twitter at Victorino Mattis. I'm at MK Hammer on Twitter at MK Hammer Time on Instagram. You can follow the show at Getting Hammered Podcast on YouTube or Instagram. And also, you know, if you like us, leave us a five-star review. If you're new to the show, thank you for being here. Thank you for getting hammered responsibly. And if you're old to the show, we love you guys. This has been a Nebulous Media Podcast. Okay.